Welcome to Ensemble, where the sum of the whole is greater than its parts. This week's bite-sized episode is going to cover the hottest topics in the financial and crypto world to give you some tools to feel smarter at the dinner table and more informed in the markets. My name is Tim, with me is Dean, and today we are your Ensemble. Tim, the internet has been going crazy this week with the release of OpenAI's user-friendly chat GBT3. So for our ensemblers who don't know, GBT3 is an autoregressive language model that uses deep learning to produce human-like text. I have no doubt, Tim, that you've been playing all around this. So tell us what you've been up to. I certainly have. I spent all week and on and had a lot of fun with it. Essentially, you can type in a prompt at the top and it can be a prompt of anything, whether you can get it to write a random creative story, you can do it to do your university assignment, you can get it even to review code that you've written in basically any language, and it spits out some amazing, amazing results. Really some world-class poetry, some world-class coding. It even found a vulnerability in Solidity, which is one of the primary languages on the Ethereum ecosystem. It's been a pretty crazy few days just playing around with it. What's, what's your fun use case for it, Ben? So Tim, as a person with a legal background, the first thing I did was input a text which said, draft me an employment contract in terms of South African law. And the chat GPT-3 produced a basic employment agreement that was governed in terms of South African law. So for me, this was absolutely fascinating as it really took away a mundane task. Take away a mundane task and potentially take away your mundane job. Good thing you're getting into crypto. But I just think the the real exciting thing here is we've all heard the words AI, machine learning, artificial intelligence, been thrown around for really a couple of years now, but it hasn't been real. No one's really been able to understand what that means. It just sounds sexy and cool. And now all of a sudden we're getting a, the public is really getting the first taste of what that actually means and what some of the use cases for real life are. Speaking of some of the crazy use cases of artificial intelligence and machine learning, our favorite character of the story, Elon Musk, had a big announcement with Neuralink this week. He basically said that in six months, Neuralink will be ready for humans. Dean, tell us about it. Are you excited? Are you ready? I'm super excited, but it was just so fascinating watching the presentation where the monkey was being fed some banana smoothies and inputting different keyboard commands through the Neuralink chip. So that was absolutely fascinating and it really opens up the potential for what it can do to humans, specifically those who have any form of disease or underlying health condition which affects their muscles. What do you think about it? I think you're right on that, but I'm definitely a bit scared to implant anything in my body, let alone something that could be hacked or there's obviously a lot of privacy and security concerns, no? No, well, I mean, if you did the COVID vaccine, I'm sure you'll be fine <laughs> yeah, with the Neuralink chip. Let's not go down that path. Let's stay on the Elon path, though. It's been a busy week for him, as it always is. Uh, he released what he's terming the first set of the Twitter files, where he's going to be releasing some old school documents detailing email and Slack chains of Twitter employees with government officials, etc., of how Twitter handled previous major uh, events. The first event was about the Hunter Biden laptop suppression story. What, what's your take on it, Dean? Uh, firstly, I think there is no amount of money that is worth the information that we're about to receive. But it really goes down to the heart of what Elon's, Elon set out to do when he acquired Twitter. And I think there's going to be a lot of public data that's going to be released that's going to implicate some politicians. But again, it's all speculation for the time being until there's real objective evidence. What's your take on it and what do you think is going to happen? 
I'm a little bit nervous. I'm very excited. I think what he's doing is really democratizing and decentralizing a lot of this information and not letting some of these politicians get away with things. You know, we, we know we've heard all the conspiracy theorists that uh, were basically saying that Twitter suppressed this Hunter Biden story, which would have had a big impact on previous US elections. I'm just excited to see what's next, although some things are better to be kept behind closed doors. Absolutely. And Tim, moving on, I think the other big important thing to note is that Elon Musk had a meeting with Apple CEO Tim Cook this week over certain allegations that came to light. Can you tell our ensemblers of what, what happened? Well, basically, Elon was claiming, obviously, he wanted to bring in the new $8 subscription fee for his Twitter Blue, and he was claiming that Apple wanted to take their 30% tax on it. Now, everyone has sort of known that Apple takes 30% on all of their purchases within the App Store, but it really brought it to light here. And obviously, that's just 30% uh, that would be going straight into Elon's pocket. What's your take? Well, Tim, I think this 30% is really coming under scrutiny for the first time because this week, Coinbase released a series of tweets. And in those tweets, they said to, to their users that they have disabled transfers of NFTs because Apple is demanding 30% on the gas fees that are being used. So can you help our ensemblers understand what this actually means? Well, you can't actually charge 30% on gas because there's no set fee and there's no way that Apple can integrate the Ethereum blockchain into the App Store. So there's no way that technologically Coinbase can even achieve this, even if they wanted to. Brian Armstrong came out and said, maybe we could do it, but we technologically and physically can't. Let's stick into the crypto world and go to our next major character of the story at the moment, which is Sam Bankman-Fried. Tell us about a couple of the interviews he gave this week, Dean. Well, well, firstly, I think his new name has become Sam Bankman-Fraud. And that is really because certain allegations are coming to light and certain information is coming to light about what actually went down at uh, FTX. Now, he's gone on this media spree and he, he first spoke at the DealBook Summit and then followed on with an interview on Good Morning America. This is in addition to some of his Twitter spaces, which he has been embarking on. Now, what's really important is he's trying to actually achieve an outcome, which is probably smart, but also now well known by everyone else. So can you dive into this and tell us what he's actually trying to do? Yeah, so Sam Bankman-Fried famously was the trading savant. He was this new genius who found a way to exploit these arbitrages and the kimchi premium and make tens of millions of dollars a week, uh, this genius who sets up this billion dollar company and another billion dollar hedge fund, all of a sudden, he's now claiming that he had no idea what was going on in his company. He had no idea who was managing risk. He had no idea even how much money the company had raised, let alone all the back doors, let alone uh, using customer funds elsewhere. A couple of amazing quotes that came out this week, hey? Absolutely. And I think what what is really key to take away from this is he kept going on about the same thing. And he kept saying that our terms of service said X. At the end of the day, the terms of service said that the customer assets remain the customer assets. And in addition to that, we actually can't blame an accounting error because an $8 billion accounting error is definitely something that one would notice. But I think what really topped it off for me was this at the end of the deal book summit. Thank you. Tim, tell us what you feel when you heard that applause. Yeah, well, it reminds me of the, the famous Star Wars line, which is that liberty dies to thunderous applause. Uh, really uh, frustrating. Uh, he's obviously a fraudster. People have lost hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, life savings. And he's out there as the media's darling at the moment. It's really frustrating that 
he's not behind bars, let alone being uh, living it up in the Bahamas still. But let's move on, or let's rather move away from these centralized entities and, and these key individual players and look at a bit more of a macro trend happening in DeFi. We discussed last week about some of the successes of DeFi, how we want to be governed by code, we want to be governed by smart contract, we want to be decentralized. It's been a few really good stories this week, haven't they, Dean? Absolutely. And I think the most important one is that Telegram has now come out and said that they are going to release their own crypto wallet and their own decentralized exchange, which comes on the back of the FTX saga. Now, for those of you who may recall, a couple of years ago, Telegram actually launched an ICO where they raised $1.7 billion for their network. But ultimately, the SEC got involved. And in accordance with the settlement agreement, they agreed to return those funds to the different investors. So we really are seeing Telegram once again pushing into the crypto space. Yeah, and on the other side of crypto with Uniswap, the biggest player, the largest decentralized exchange, they've started allowing trading of NFTs. So you can trade trade NFTs from peer to peer. So this will greatly increase the tradability and usability of NFTs. Hopefully, as we move to the new trend of putting real world assets onto the blockchain in the form of NFTs. That's all for today. Keep stacking sats, hodling, building, and staying cautiously optimistic. And remember, you're not alone. You're part of our ensemble, trying to get a bit financially smarter every day.